You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. God's Word is the primary way. If we don't know what God's Word says about something, we can only go by our senses, which are delusion. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We are continuing our Heaven on Earth series this week, talking about the Word and the gift that Jesus has brought us in His understanding. I'm joined by two special guests. First, we have Pastor of Spiritual Formation, Bob Moss in the house. Bob, great to have you back on the podcast. And I am thrilled to be here. And we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Abroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Also great to have you on the podcast. Jose, I'd love to give you the first word as we kick things off for this week, talking about God's word. Kind of what were your thoughts as you prepared for the message and how did you kind of wind up with the points that you did? Right, so a while back I said that I was actually gonna say all of these in one message. So all of these gifts. And then I realized how uh, robust and deep each uh, gift was, and so I decided to break it up into into uh, the series. But this one was the most obvious one because Jesus is literally opening up their minds so that they can understand um, his word, that the whole Bible is about Jesus. So um, what I hoped to do is increase our scripture engagement, you know, increase our Bible reading as a church because the reality is, the more we read the Bible, the more we will know Jesus. And it's what grounds us, it's what anchors us. So um, yeah, I had a lot of fun writing the the message and uh, delivering it as well. You talked about a lot of, well, already through the series, we've talked about a lot of gifts, a lot of good gifts that Jesus has left us. And whether that's peace, we talked about that at the beginning. We've went through several ones about God's provision and yet there's something special about the word. And so Bob, I'd love to ask you this question and get your thoughts too, Jose. Just what is so significant about the word? Because we have a lot of different tools. We've got the Holy Spirit, we have community, we've got the body. I mean, we've got all these kind of things that God has entrusted us, but, but what is so significant about the word compared to just the many other, uh, not only the other literature that we have, but just even uh, the other gifts that God has given us. Well, the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to people today. And it's the way that he has spoken down through the centuries. And there are other forms and ways that God speaks. In the Old Testament, it was through the prophets. In the in the in Hebrews, it tells us, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So God's word is the primary way. If we don't know what God's word says about something, we can only go by our senses, which are delusional. Hmm. Yeah, delusional and, and I think flexible. They change, yes. you know, we're, we're easily transformed by our surroundings, by our environment, by what our friends are doing, by what the news are saying, by so many th- different things. And so the word also wants to transform us. Amen. So if we're not reading the word, then we are changing and conforming, um, but we're conforming to the patterns of this world and we're not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's why it's so crucial 
to really focus in on this. You make a good point, Taylor. I think this really is perhaps the most important gift because without it, then we really can't trust that any of the other gifts are actual gifts. Well, I think not only is it super crucial, but the enemy knows that too. And so I yeah. think about just even uh, just the, the armor of God and how this is the offensive weapon. All the others, as far as the right. armor is defensive and yet the word is the what we use for the sword as far as to be offensive. So. Obviously, the enemy doesn't want us to use the word, doesn't want us to pick up the sword. And so, Jose, you highlighted a few kind of common excuses as far as reasons why we don't. But I think just the word in of itself is under attack as far as just even just in small ways in our own lives, whether it's, like you mentioned, irrelevant or out of date or it's just not useful. So how have y'all seen the enemy kind of combat you when it comes to the word? And what are maybe some ways in which you've been able to counter that in your (laughs) own walks? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I don't really need it. So you talked about the Holy Spirit. You talked about uh, the body, people. You know, I, I'm I am an extrovert, and I, I love uh, bouncing ideas off of people that I trust. So I'm a big team player in that aspect. So I'm really good at calling or texting and, and reaching out for advice. And so uh, the lie that that I believe at times is, well, you don't need the word. When the reality and the truth is that. He's provided everything that we need to make any decision here on earth in his word. And so it's it's a lie from the enemy. Again, it dates back to Genesis when Adam and Eve thought, well, God is withholding from me. I can do this on, on my own. Let's eat from the tree. He just doesn't want us to be like him, you know? And 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 so we don't trust God, we trust in ourselves and it, and it leads us down a very dangerous path. The... Temptation of Jesus reveals a lot about the importance of the word because when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, uh, the first two times he was tempted, he quoted scripture yeah. to respond to the enemy's temptation. What's very interesting is the third temptation, the devil quoted scripture. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responded again with Scripture, understanding the context of what the devil was using Mm -hmm. to try to deceive Jesus. And just knowing the Scripture isn't really enough. We have to have the Spirit. We have to have that intimate relationship with God that helps us to understand the context Uh, where we live. We're living in dangerous times where people are using scriptural language to promote uh, corrupt and evil programs Mm -hmm. and conduct. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got to know what God says. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the... the Bible doesn't contradict itself. No, it so doesn't. It can't say one thing and then another. Um, there, there is a storyline, and and again, there are many literary devices. Uh, books need to be interpreted differently, given you know the the context, all that stuff. But the Bible has one clear aim, and that is to talk about Jesus. That's why these disciples didn't understand. They really thought in Acts one it says they they asked Jesus, "Well, surely you're going to stay, and you're going to be king of Israel." And you're going to redeem Israel, and, and, and we're no longer going to be in Roman captivity. And Jesus, again, says, you don't get it. You are going to be my witnesses. I'm going to use you yeah. to create 
a new kingdom, God's kingdom here on earth. So it's not about a one people group. And I think we do that too often in the Bible. We Sometimes we can interpret it uh, a little too close-minded thinking, well, this is only about me, me, me. If you're reading the Bible and you think it's about you, you're, you're, we really have to remember that it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's to glorify him, it's to honor him, it's to make his name famous and known, not our deeds or, or actions. Yeah, and that's a mindset that takes time as far as developing is the more that we spend in the word. I'd love to jump into kind of the four points, Jose, you mentioned as far as how we can develop a greater understanding of the Bible, because I think sometimes it's either, I don't know where to start, or Bob, you mentioned just how Jesus used scripture to counter the enemy, but but what scriptures do I use? I mean, there's so many uh, questions there, but if we jump into here, uh, the first point here is to commit. That's based on that first Timothy four passage of just, you know, physical exercise and discipline has some value, but the spiritual discipline discipline and committing yourselves to the word. Uh, Bob, you know, Jose said it from the stage, but just you're modeling this as far as in your life and committing and taking time aside yeah. to spend in that. But what, is that, that. what does that look like? And maybe how does someone just practically commit your heart to scripture? I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna interrupt you, Bob, because I wanna give you credit for this. You have taught me that the Beatitudes are so significant in the word. And one specifically is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. And I've learned from you that not everybody is hungry. Not everyone is spiritually hungry. And so that's gotta be a question that we all have to answer for ourselves. Mm. I can't make my kids be hungry. (laughs) You know, I can model hunger though. And that I hope will, you know, as I teach them about Jesus and they're gonna know about him and they're gonna know the word, but what I wanna model more than information is my hunger for the word and my need for the word. And I think that's a key thing. And and I've learned that from you. Well, thank you. I I know that uh, there is a great parallel between physical food and the word of God being our spiritual food. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in Peter, it tells us that as newborn babies, we're talking about brand new Christians, he says there that he he wants us to desire the sincere milk of the word. So the milk of the word implies an understanding of scripture that is basic and very elementary. Later in Hebrews chapter five, Paul is writing to them and he says, while you ought to be out teaching others, he says, you need somebody to come back and teach you the milk of the word. He says, while you ought to be out there He says, I have strong meat that I want to give you. And the implication is that there's a depth to the Word of God that goes way beyond what we can even begin to understand without the Holy Spirit. So the parallel between hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we have to, I mean, we don't, uh, we don't have to work up a hunger. If we don't eat, we, yeah, we yeah. get hungry for physical food. Right. Well, we need to be the same way spiritually in that if we haven't had a meal spiritually for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. through, through meditation in the mm-hmm. scriptures, mm-hmm. something's wrong if we don't 
yeah. have a hunger for it. I'm just thinking about this out loud, but I think even too, sometimes we can replace our hunger with other things. That's so we, right. we all experience that hunger, but we look to, I don't know, continuing the food analogy. We're going to fast food instead of the, the healthy stuff that we know yeah. we need. And so it, it may try to satisfy that, that hunger and yet we keep going and, back to that. And those are really good things. So you talked about them earlier, Taylor, that's community. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good thing. That's a, it's a biblical, we need community, but that cannot satisfy what spending time in the word, mm-hmm. uh, the nourishment that, that, that we get from spending time individually with Jesus, because it has to be personal and collective at the same time. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. You can walk out into the, into the field and, and be really attentive to, you know, be really still and, and be really attentive. Like, God, what are you speaking to me? And he, you, you may hear, you know, the Holy Spirit, you may have thoughts in your head, but everything that we hear, Scripture tells us we have to test it. Mm-hmm. We have to filter it through His Word. That's right. And so do those things match up? Well, if they do, then yes, that is from the Lord. Let's go. Uh, so, to your point, there there are so many things that we can turn to. Good things um, that that you know, if, if we're not spending time in the Word, then those um, things can can become become an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob, you mentioned meditation. That's the second point, Jose, that you brought up as far as developing a deeper understanding of the word. I'd love to ask both of y'all, um, what is the biggest difference you would say between reading the, the word, studying the word and meditating? And then also, what does that actually look like? Because I feel like sometimes people have different ideas when you say meditation to what that actually involves or what that looks like. So so I'd love to get the behind the scenes for both of y'all's walks as far as what does what actually meditation look like practically and how you've seen that bless your your uh, or uh, allow you to have a deeper understanding of the word? Mine is simple. I, I just think. I read and then I think. I think about what I read. I remember what I read. If I don't remember, then I pull up my phone, I pull out the scripture, and then, and then you know, I, I read it. So I'll give you an example here. If I can find it quickly, I may not be able to find it quickly. I'm not going to be able to find it quickly. But Jesus is saying, um, the disciples are coming to Jesus and and uh, they're telling him, hey, there are these other guys that are uh, casting out demons. Do we tell them to stop? And Jesus says something. I'm not going to get it verbatim, but he says something. If they're not against us, then they are for us. Leave them alone. Something to that extent. And wow, it just popped up. And and I remembered how many how many little things do I fight? Uh, how many how many five cent problem do I make fifty dollar problems? You know. And here are the disciples making a five cent problem, saying, you know, hey, these guys are trying to cast out demons and doing what we're doing. And Jesus is like, leave them alone. You know, uh, that's not the mission. Uh, so anyway, that, that spoke to me. So thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Well, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And the abiding is the same as meditating. You know, you contemplate, you uh, you, you focus your attention on the Word of God and let it speak to your heart. And as it does, you bear fruit mm-hmm. by letting, by, by feeding on it, by allowing it to do the work in you spiritually that food does to you physically. When we eat food, we don't know what goes on inside of our physical body. And the same thing is true spiritually. When we're meditating in the Word of God, we don't know what God is doing inside of us, but it is transforming us. We can be 
assured that when we meditate in the Word, His Word is transforming us. Mm-hmm. And just practically for both of y'all, that just looks like, is it, do you read a whole chapter and you think about the chapter? Is it, do you kind of tend to go more verse by verse and kind of just spend some time? What, what does that kind of look like for you? Are you reading it the same verse over and over and over again for 10 minutes? Or I, I just would love to hear kind of practically what that looks like for, for y'all. I'm sure it changes, but we'd just love to hear kind of what that looks like as far as meditation. Well, Jose nailed it in his sermon Sunday. And he says, when you read it, you remember about 5% mm-hmm. of what yeah. you read. Mm-hmm. When you hear it, you might remember a little more. Mm-hmm. When you study it, you remember more. But there's one way you can guarantee that you're going to remember all of it, and that's when you memorize it. And the Bible tells us that, to meditate on the Word of God day and night. That's the only thing that the Bible promises success. Mm-hmm. Success According to the scripture, and it's in Joshua 1 and in Psalms 1, success comes through meditation day and night. Well, when you're laying in your bed, you don't have time to pick up your Bible and read it. But if you're laying in bed and you're having trouble going to sleep and you've got the Word of God hidden in your heart and you know it and you can just reflect on Scripture and next thing you know, you're gone. You're yeah. out like a light. You know, yeah. you go to sleep. But other <laughs> Other times, if you don't have that word to meditate on, you know, your, your mind will think of a thousand different right. things, especially if you're facing a trial or a difficult situation. Yeah, one of the things that they didn't have back then was smartphones. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they didn't even have a Bible or yeah. a scroll yeah. uh, nearby. So, you know, a young man would memorize, if, if not all the Torah, most, most mm-hmm. of the Torah. And, and that was the training. That was Sunday school. That was Sunday morning was learn learn what the scriptures say so that you can occupy your mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm growing there. And, and Bob knows that I'm not the best at scripture memory um, because I do pull out my phone fast. And, and that, that's what I use. So in the season, for example, I'm, I'm reading four chapters a day. Sometimes I don't read all four. Uh, I stop when something Take, uh, takes my attention, and then and then I just zoom in on that. Uh, so I read a psalm, uh, part of the Pentateuch or history, a chronicles and prophets, and then a chapter in the Gospel and the Epistles. It's called digging deep into the Bible. That's the plan that I'm uh, on, and that's that's a have to. You know, I sit down and I have to do that, and uh, it's like exercise. You don't want to do it, but then uh, when you're doing it, you're like, oh yeah, this is really good for me. And then afterwards, you're just so glad that you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So making it a discipline is important. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think something that my community group talked about last night was uh, even just how easy it can be to focus too much on the discipline and you almost just become all about kind of scripture memory and checking it off the list without this third point here, which is actually living it out and living the word. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on the significance of just the posture as you read the word, that this isn't some sort of, uh, Jose, I liked how you referenced just old English literature that we read in school and you may have to memorize certain parts of it, but but this is actually the word of God. So what is so significant about this coming from God? And then as it comes to living it out, how have y'all seen the significance of that? You know, for me, I think it's, it's proven to be real and right. Mm. When I've lived it out, I have 
seen change both in me and in my surrounding. The promises of God are true. So it's not a do in order to get. You receive first. We receive the gospel. We receive this free gift of grace that was totally undeserved. And when you respond to it by living your life in the way that God calls you to do, so that does mean saying no to the things of this world. That does say it means saying uh, you're going you're gonna to look different than others. But when you do it, when you live it out, not just attend church, not just read, but when you're walking the walk, that's when I've seen God's blessing and, and his intimacy and his nearness in ways that, you know, n- nothing else uh, can, can create. And that's, that's, it becomes real. Well, James put it this way. He said, don't just read the word and so deceive yourselves. Yeah. Do what it says. And action is required. Uh, a lot of people don't like James because it puts <laughs> works and deeds and action right. right side by side by faith. But he also goes on to say, well, you show me your faith by what you say. I'm going to show you my faith by what I, what I do. And action is required. All of the commands of Jesus Christ are contrary to the ways of the world. So in order to do what Jesus said, we've got to go a different way than the world goes. And just the fact that we're obeying Jesus, that action will speak to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether, we, whether we think we're doing anything or not, if we're obeying Jesus, we become a living epistle. Mm-hmm. that people can read just as if they were reading the Bible. That's good, Bob. That's good. That's good. I love that because that ties into our fourth and last point here about sharing with others. So as you're saying, Bob, it's like we're, we don't just share with our words, but share with our actions. Yes. But there is significance to sharing with other people what we're learning and being able to encourage one another. So I'd love to just ask y'all, uh, maybe for someone listening, it's like, okay, I'm not a pastor. I'm not on staff at a church. How, how are you expecting me to, to share or teach that with someone else? What would you maybe encourage someone that's kind of feeling well, that way that keeps them back from one sharing? One of the, I didn't talk about this yesterday, um, was wrapping up, I saw that we were out of time, but the Bible has so many allusions to father speaking to son, so passing it on to the next generation. And so if you do have kids or grandkids, sharing these stories with them, sharing your testimony, sharing what God's done in your life is so huge. So that's one, you know, in your family, who has ears to hear and who can you share those things with? Uh, And then outside, who can you talk about, but who can you talk uh, about the Bible with? And I don't think that has any limits. You can just bring up, hey, I read this and, and it seemed interesting to me. And when I've done that, I've realized more often than not, it's people appreciate it, even if they're not Christians, because they learn a little bit more about the Bible because they, they get told all things about what the Bible says from you know culture, et cetera. And, and then the second thing is it's personal. So you're not saying it as a Bible know-it-all. You're saying it, hey, I'm I'm this is challenging me, or this is something that I'm, you know, trying to trying to figure out in, in my life. So just talking about the Bible, I think, has a lot of power. And Jesus also knew how to ask questions. Yeah. And being able to ask That's questions right. provokes people to thinking and if they try to answer and then they say, well, what do you think that means? Or what do you think? And then you have an opportunity to tell them. And uh, 
you, in your in the process of sharing, mm-hmm. you're you're sharing what the Word of God says. So, the Word of God again coming back to the Word of God, mm-hmm. we need to know it. We need to live it. We need to act on it. We need to share it. Yeah, and we do that by digesting it, by living it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So many small steps as far as just how that process goes. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to have graduated from seminary tomorrow in order to understand the Bible. But kind of my last question related to that point, Bob, as far as how does someone when, or even just for y'all, when you encounter maybe like a, a difficult passage or just even just have questions yourself. So it's not even that someone or you're asking the question, but you just come across a question. Uh, Don Kalinda, he submitted a question in the the guide, ccc.guide, and just he was reading through Acts 18 and was coming across just different aspects of of uh, the early church. And so I just was curious, kind of y'all's thoughts on kind of what are some resources or kind of, it could just even be people that you go to in times where you come across something in the word and you're like, well, what does that mean? Or, or what is that reference to? And how do y'all go about navigating that? Yeah, the first thing is trusting that that it's, it's authoritative. So we are we are under it, even when we don't understand, especially when we don't understand it, we have to hold on to that truth that we are choosing Jesus as Lord. And this is Jesus's way, primary way to communicate with his people. And so, you know, hold it in high esteem. Uh, and then dig in, seek the Holy Spirit, seek out a good uh, commentary, seek in. Uh, the other thing that you can do though, maybe before commentary or anything like that is look at it in context. Where is that verse? Where does it fit in the paragraph? Where does it fit? So kind of like a concentric circle. Um, where does it fit in in this part of, of the book? That's what the Bible Project has done so well mm-hmm. is they've just broken up these books. They've made these videos, posters, et cetera, resources so that we can get the overall story of the Bible. Once we get that, then it's easier to digest in, in little bits. But yeah. there are a lot of troubling passages and, and scenes. The other thing that I, that I always think about is this is an ancient Eastern text. So this was written thousands of years ago, and yet it's amazing that there are so many more relevant passages than there are strange passages. Mm-hmm. You know, And so when I come up to a strange passage, I'm like, well, yeah, these were different times. And you think about the context in that day, specifically, I'm thinking about First Chronicles or Kings, you know, when there's just war, 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 war. We, that's foreign to us because we live in such peace and such abundance here now. So anyway, all that to say, um, those would be the two things. One is, you know, remember that the scriptures are over us. And then second, dig, because God will reveal and give you understanding. Sure. <clears throat> I can remember early on as a Christian, bumper stickers were in style, and there was a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I thought, wow, what a tremendous passage or a verse or a flow, (laughs) you know, I believe that. And then somebody came along with another bumper sticker, and it said, God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Wow. And that is the one I stuck with because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't believe. Well, people's unbelief doesn't have anything to do with the reality of God's Word. God's Word is real, whether we understand it or not, and we have to go with it over everything else, no matter what it is. 
Yeah, and that's a good closing statement there, Bob, because we find ourselves, I, I share those stats where 50% Americans say they believe that what is in the Bible is true, but only 10% are reading it. And I think that number is actually gonna go uh, down, not the 10%, but the 40, 50%. We're gonna see it 40% because when we don't engage in the scriptures, when we're not reading our Bibles, uh, it, it is a slippery slope. We'll start going down. Uh, and I hope that this encourages you, I know it encourages me, us, to continue to, to read God's Word and, and be empowered, encouraged, and corrected, rebuked, so that we can be equipped for every good work that God has for us. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.